the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chatting to have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. So, my radio career is kind of a funny one. My financial career is kind of a funny one as well. I got in the industry working as an analyst for a registered investment advisor. And we're going to say this was roughly 20, almost 21 years ago. I think. It's pretty close to that. Um, I want to say it was June or May of 96. And it was a golden time to be an investor. You had the stock market rocking and rolling. You had dot-com companies move higher on a steady basis. It was pretty good. It was pretty darn good. Um, I was good at it. I was great at it. Um, I didn't mind taking risks. Some of it was probably dumb luck. Some of it was probably right time, right place. Some of it was probably a keen eye for technology based on the fact that I grew up with a joystick in my hand. And that's not a sexual reference. That is a reference to the Atari 2600. Um, I think it's real important that, you, you know, we start grasping some of the, the where did we come from kind of stories, in my opinion. So tech was very friendly, and tech did very well, and my boss kind of used me as a marketing monkey. Go dance for people. Tell them about tech stocks. Um, and it's kind of funny in hindsight, because he was very Italian, and that was probably the worst Italian impression I could possibly do. Or he thought he was really Italian. I don't know if you know those kind of people out there, but I think they exist. Anyhow, moving on... Um, I got to the point where I was working for this guy, and he comes to me one day, and he's like, you know, I got something to tell you. Um, God picks my stocks for me, and uh, I think it's pretty awesome. It was kind of like a Saturday Night Live, Kate McKinnon, like, did he just say what I think he said moment? And for me, my instant reply, because I'm a pretty smart guy on my feet, my instant reply was, Here's my two weeks, because if God's picking stocks for you, I can't compete with that. Kind of snarky, kind of funny, kind of true. 
You know, if God was picking stocks for him, you know, God goes, I'm picking shares of Lucent. And, you know, Lucent starts going down and God goes, doosh, 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 shoots fireballs down at every other stock picker that doesn't like Lucent. That's the old angry God, right? Not the stock picker God. Stock picker God is kind of an old angry God. So I was like, I can't compete with that. So I gave my two weeks and uh, I found someone that I wanted to start to farm with and I did. And one of the things that we ran into at that point in time was I was a young man and he was as well and he was a good hustler. Like he didn't mind staying up all night long. He didn't mind meeting people. He did that really well. And I was like, I could be the smart guy. You, you can be the, you know, the, the sales guy. But we kind of needed some exposure. And, you know, knock, knock, knock on the door one day comes uh, a radio network that said, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, the, I own part of a radio network and they need a reporter for two or three minutes in the morning, you know, twice an hour, uh, maybe three times, three hours a day. And I said, sure, I'm in. Um, what time do you need me? And then they're like, four o'clock. I'm like, four o'clock? Um, that was West Coast time. So East Coast time was like seven o'clock. So that's doable kind of thing. So I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning, really kind of, I never thought I was smarter than you. I just thought I could get up earlier than you and stay up later than you. Um, if you get the idea. So, um, so that's kind of like how I got into radio was I started with little market updates and I worked for free. And, you know, every now and then I'm uh, working in radio or television, someone will come in and tour and they'll be like, hey, what advice can you give for the college students? And I say, work for free. And you can't do that as an intern in the state of California, but work for free. If you know a financial planner, if you know someone in broadcasting, if you know someone who edits uh, podcasts, the more skills you get going, the better, in my opinion. Um, And again, you can say... Back off, Black. I don't agree with you. Um, but again, that's kind of the, the small snapshot of how one thing could lead to another, which leads to another. There was a guy that I'm doing the morning updates for two or three minutes, and uh, his name's Barry Minko. And in the 80s, he did something like ripped off people. He was one of those you know Ponzi scheme kind of guys, and he went to jail. So when he comes out of jail, amazing radio general managers and uh, talented they are. I mean, these are the brightest people in the world. They said, let's give a convict, an ex-convict, a radio show to talk about scams. Why give it to the smartest person in the room? Give it to the guy who got caught and went to jail. Why give it to someone who's breaking ground and trying new things? Let's give it to the guy who got caught and went to jail. So he decides not to show up for work one day. And uh, they're like, can you talk? I'm like, sure. And then the morning show, he, he was 7 to 10 at night, uh, coast to coast, kind of, you know, AM radio where they're syndicating crappy radio shows sometimes. Not this station, though, of course. All of our syndicated radio shows are top notch. And what I said about radio managers be, not being the smartest, mine, oh my gosh, not only are they the smartest, but they're also the strongest and, and uh, wisest. So one morning, the morning show host got snowed in, and uh, they're like, can you do a show? So I did the three hours in the morning, two hours at night. I was doing my market updates. I spent like five or six hours of radio a day. And that led to a national radio show, and that led to, and I was gaining exposure for my company. Um, at some point in time, I meet CFP Chad Burton, and I didn't like him because he was a financial planner who kind of challenged my credentials as an investment advisor. 
Some men don't like being challenged. In a group of apes, I'm the ape that if you challenge me, I'm going to hit you. Um, or at least when I was a younger ape. So that kind of got the whole radio show going in my relationship with Chad. And um, Then what happened was I started seeing financial radio turn into infomercials. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of that. So I don't know. So I found ways to get paid. Maybe not a lot, but that way I could have my own editorial control. And I'm not sitting there the whole time going... I need you to buy, or I need you to pick the stock, because it's awesome. It's going to be huge. Um, so I've had a lot of independence, and that's my radio background. And, uh, you know, when I came to California, I came to California to work for a company called CNET, which was tech radio, and they have the coolest uh, general manager guy named, um, program director named Brian Cooley. And... Uh, he basically didn't beg me, but he said, come on out. You know, you're going to love San Francisco. And I had visited before, and I did love it. And I come out, and it's great. And then, you know, CNET radios, their big flaw was they dominated the California, uh, North, North California from Santa Rosa to Santa Cruz to Sacramento. Great signal. worked terribly well. But they had a sales manager who was kind of in love with, let's get HP to sponsor a tech show where they talk about HP. Or, again, radio executives, you know, super smart people. Let's get, um, you know, Apple or uh, General Dynamics or... You're always like, whoa, what's that for? Why did I, and they'd always only go after big tech companies. Um, sometimes big companies. Let's do tech and defense stocks. Um, and ultimately, they failed. They wanted Best Buy and Fry's because... In radio, if you listen to some of the commercials, mattresses are the way to go. <laughs> and if you're on a CD kind of station, strip clubs. Um, but long story short, that's how I got into radio. That's the true story of Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someday you'll grow up and you'll forget. I'm Rob Black and I have to admit this, I've been to a Regina Spectre concert. And a lot of times you'll hear me say things on the show like, I'm lucky that I was born white, born on a coast, born to parents that expected me to go to college. Keep in mind, they had six kids. I was number five out of six, and they expected us all to go to college. I didn't grow up in Iowa, where my daddy might have been a farmer, and he might have said, you know what, go be an insurance guy. That's good enough. So I think I've had some privilege in my life. 
There was one moment in my life where I felt like a minority, and that was at the Regina Spectre concert. And it was pretty uncomfortable. I was the only guy there. And I was the only guy who brought a girlfriend. And the women that were there brought girlfriends. But I think you're getting at where I'm getting at. And it was uncomfortable. It shouldn't be, but it was. And I, I don't think I was treated terribly well. Like, I'd go to the bathroom and there's no line for the men's bathroom. And they'd look at me like, we're coming in there. I'm like, okay. Um, just a moment where I felt pretty awkward. And again, that's not bad. So I feel horrible for minorities in the United States because I don't think it's the Statue of Liberty. I think at times it's the Statue of Bigotry. I, I don't think it's open doors to everyone. I don't think everyone's born into the same options. And again, just your parents and their expectations for you to succeed. That's a huge one. Um, I've got a friend who... Um, she kind of grew up and she went to high school and that was as far as her education was going to go and she kinda did a little bit of real estate secretarial work. Guess what? That's what she expects of her daughter. She doesn't expect her daughter to go to college. And, you know, you got to break these cycles sometimes, in my opinion. So, anyway, um, if, you, if you don't think privilege exists, I think you're wrong. So, we could disagree. So and I do think that it is a land of opportunity. I think everyone could succeed if they find the right ways to do it and push hard enough. Um, I will tell you that I'm the king of financial radio, and it's not because I'm smarter than you. It's because I work harder than you. I'm kind of a big deal. And anyone that wants to take over my big deal and drink lots of scotchy, scotch, scotch in your belly, 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 all you have to do is work really, really hard. It's, you know... I once told Michael Phelps' mother, she said, my son has a heart of a champion. I'm like, no, your son has, has webbed feet and hands. You threw him in the, in the, in the, in the pool for 12,000 hours when he was a kid when he should have been watching the Flintstones. Uh, when he, should, he was basically becoming a, an aquatic mammal. Um, and it's doing stuff a lot again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And then, you know, also have that theory that sometimes you take a pie in the face and sometimes you're hip deep in pie. I love pie, but sometimes you have to take chances and I'm okay. You know, I fail at a lot of things that I do. Like my diet right now. Dun dun. I'll give my own rim shots because uh, my rim shot guy is a union guy and he's on break right now. So. <laughs> oh, he's back. Um, couple things. To become successful, to avoid becoming broke in retirement, you have to conquer your fear of stocks. Um, and the best way I can explain this is at some point in time, you've got to kind of like suck it up. You can't go. If you're saying things like, oh, banks always win, stock market always, you're always going to lose in the stock market. It's just a matter of time. Um, my brother Michael said to me, 25 years ago, uh, competitive family, keep this in mind. He goes, well, when the stock market cracks, you'll be out of that business. 25 years later, I'm still in the business, and he's in the late nine in the year, yeah, yeah, um, late 80s, early 90s. And there was a saving and loans thrift, uh, thrift crisis, um, and a lot of banks went under, and the stock market really struggled, which led to the greatest period of time ever in the stocks from 92 to 2000. Guess what my brother Michael did? He sold his stocks in 89, 92. Never got back in. He's going to work till the day he dies. Uh, let's go to a phone call. 
Let's see who we have. Vic in San Jose. Hello, hello, Vic. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, what do you think are the top five stock picks for the Trump presidency for the next five years? Um, yeah, I don't really have a, a quote-unquote list of top picks because it really depends on what you need. What I said last year, um, and thanks for the call, is I said, you know, take a look at financials because interest rates are going to be moving higher. Now, we thought interest rates were going to move four times last year. That's what was expected. They only moved once. But financials were the biggest winner. Um, I don't know what Trump's going to succeed at or fail at. So clearly infrastructure plays if he gets a trillion-dollar uh, budget through, uh, stimulus package, or if he gets $200 billion. It's still a lot of spending, but one's a lot more. Um, I still like regional banks, um, very, very much so. Um, not too long ago, I bought some Nike. I'm not expecting to make any money on it this year. Um, so I'm not really a, a stock list guy tied towards Trump. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Trump's was talking about repealing Obamacare. Today, they're talking about, wait, 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 we're in no rush to repeal that. So, to me, Trump is kind of a, kind of like Tinkerbell. He's Washington's kind of made a, things worse. He's kind of a figure that may or may not be real. Well, I guess Tinkerbell definitely is not real, but, um, I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. I don't know what he's going to be able to get passed through. Um, I think the dollar is likely to continue to rise against the euro, and I think investment strategies should be thinking that way. Um, clearly, if you're wanting to stay with the whole Trump idea concept, you'd say small cap stocks, but they've had such a big move. But wait, they had such large underperformance for two to three years against large cap dividend paying stocks. Um, obviously, any multinational you should be afraid of, including Nike including Apple, including anyone like Gap who makes clothes overseas, they could all get tariffs tied towards them. Now, if that happens, you're looking at a global recession, at which point in time it's time to like panic and go a different direction. Um, because now you're talking instead of stock ideas to be involved in long, you're talking about shorts. And um, I don't think that's what you really want to be at. So... 800-516-1220. I'll keep you in suspense. Thank you, Donald. Um, you know, I think right now Dow 20,000 is pretty intriguing. I think some of the dogs of the Dow are pretty intriguing. Um, Verizon, um, Merck are interesting value ideas. Uh, I think Chevron's got some upside if... This whole oil thing sticks. The whole oil thing being OPEC and their cuts. I, I think I've said enough. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I can see you staring at the windows at night. Don't you fret, my dear.
Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm blending two themes today. I'm blending the theme that technology is going to keep continue to pe- put people out of work. All people, whether it's financial advisors, there's robo-advisors who in two years ago didn't exist, and now they've got over $6 billion in assets. Um, a lot of people trust a smartphone app more so than they trust a human being. And one of the areas that I think is going to get hit in the next five, ten years is real estate agents, and I think they're going to get hit hard. Uh, by technology, because there's some kid at Stanford right now who's coming up with an app or coming up with an algorithm that, you know, basically says, okay, let's look at history. Do you remember, and I remember this, do you remember um, going on vacations and travel agents? Do you remember travel agents? People used to, like, when they got out of high school and they didn't really want to go to college, but they kind of wanted to do something they become realtors sometimes, and sometimes they become real estate agents. And real estate agents are all but dead because we have something called Google. And I can look for great trips to India, and I no longer have to trust someone on great trips to India. Now, I still know that there's some travel agents out there, but they are very, very few and far between. And I'm kind of guessing that's all mafia money at this point in time. <laughs> it's a storefront. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... I think it's going to be impossible for a. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a property that you want. I'm interested in. The horse head in the bed. No catches at all. Um, I think large brokers in the are going to make a mistake if they don't embrace some sort of online or digital, let's call it that. Digitalization. Uh, digitalization of listing and, and buying and selling properties um, in some way. Uh, because that's the way, that's the the next phase of of pretty much a lot of technologies and a lot of services. So you were just talking about how, um, you know, I didn't know this. I didn't know that the, about robo-chats. I didn't know that they were robots uh, or chatbots. Uh, and I, I think that's just the, the next stage in which realtors need to embrace. Uh, we're, we're embracing it on our side. I still think that there's going to be a, a lot of personal hands-on work that you need to do for somebody because there's so many different varieties of uh, uh, ways you can qualify so, for, a, for a loan. But you, you see how it, it's yeah, going to I'm, I'm specifically that. talking about realtors and not yeah. loans yet. But essentially, efficient markets follow or are at the mercy of Darwinism, mm-hmm. the survival of the fittest. So, yes, I still think the 10% of agents who are great at what they do will will thrive. Um, but discount brokers, F for sale by owners, broker referral networks, fee-for-service brokers are going to start making more and more headway. Um, in my industry, I could charge you 1% of your assets, or there's people that will say, I'll do a, a financial plan for you for $3,000. Or there's people that say, I'll do a model portfolio for you for $500. So there's already a fragmentation going on that, it's the fee guys that are going to be the first ones to lose in my industry and not the percent of asset guys because uh, the fees you know, on computers are just non-existent. Mm-hmm. Once you have a, a program, it can be replicated pretty easy. So anyway, we're talking a little bit about that today. And uh, Well, I mean, imagine, imagine a, a brokerage, a real estate brokerage company that has you know several listings and one pops up and there's and, – and you've – you as a buyer have put in your parameters of what you want to buy and where you want to buy it. That house pops up, 
and you've already done your research. It, it meets almost every single one of your parameters, and you click a button, and you are the first one to be able to put an offer on it. Um, and then, and maybe they do some sort of bidding war at that point with some other buyers, but uh, that that may be the next thing that happens, Rob. I don't know if you can actually do that now with you know uh, with some of these realtors. I mean, you still have to pick up the phone, but I think that's going to be the way to go. Yeah. You know, get, send in your uh, pre-approval in advance so that you can get, you know, maybe there's a, a qualifying step in order to be part of that list. I mean, One of my friends is a realtor, and the thing that she's got going for her is that she's a mom. So she knows other moms. But she just left her firm, which is a pretty popular firm in the Bay Area, um, Keller Williams, and she went with another firm that they just promised more technology. Mm-hmm. So the things that she used to have to do, the technology will now do for her. And I think that's a blessing and a curse because basically, you know, uh, the new firm is going to be more efficient, but it puts people out of jobs. Yeah. So we just did a transaction where uh, the spouse was um, every single signature we got was digital or uh, auto signature, uh, except for the final notary signatures. So she made it all the way to documents and bought this house with almost zero um, ink. Uh, and I think that's the way that we're going, Rob. I'm with you. So Hampton prices are starting to get a little bit on the rocky side. Now, the Hamptons are obviously an escape from New York City. Um, but the high-end homes, the future of the Hamptons is uncertain as prices are starting to plummet. Luxury buyers are heading to different markets. Um, that's one of the areas that, I, in conversation of real estate, we always have to think about. Because one of the reasons people get timeshares, they'll go to the hot new place. A couple of years ago, it was Costa Rica. Then it was Panama. Then it was, um, gosh, I can't even think. Cabo or... Yeah, you get the yeah. idea. And they don't stay the hot, sexy places for long. Um, they kind of rotate around pretty quickly. So um, so the luxury markets of the Hamptons are starting to see big price drops. Miami seeing big price drops they've overdeveloped. Um, a lot of people get very, very comfortable that things are always going to stay the same. Um, I looked at my home in the last year, and I looked at expectations for the next year, and it was down about a percent in the last year, and the expectations are for it to be up less than 1% this year. So I feel that I'm done getting appreciation for the foreseeable future. I feel like it had a great run. It's going to take a breather. But also, like, you know, my home's like, let's say if I were to sell it for what the last home on the block went for, I'd get probably one five, one six. Do I really think it's going to double in my lifetime? Do I see houses going up to $3 million on my street? It's, it's a good question. There may be a wave of people who think exactly like you do and they say this the opportunities are over here in in our price range and well the opportunities as far as appreciation are over and where is that next hot spot could it be tahoe could it be um mammoth who who knows where it's going to be tahoe seems to be a pretty big topic right now a lot of people moving to like el dorado hills um so but that that is something that a lot of people are, are going to start thinking about is if we've peaked, we're going to look at some of those projections. You were just showing well, me a website that you pay thirty dollars; it gives you a full analysis on your property, including the forecasts. Some people might see this and say, "Our opportunities are done. This cash out now. This gets the capital gains exemption." Well, let and, me just yeah, let me flesh yeah. this out a little bit more with you because you're going off topic. Um, my house worth one point five, one point six. If I were to sell it today, right? Sure. Um, and I say in the next ten, fifteen years, I don't see it going up to three million. Because I could also look at North Carolina, I could look at Denver, and I could still see, I can buy three houses, four houses in those markets. And if my house goes up to $3 million, I could buy 10, 15, 20 houses in those markets. It starts to become ridiculous, and it gets to the point where if you don't have kids, you're like, 
hold on, I've already hit the jackpot. I can retire. Now, maybe I'm retiring in Raleigh or North Carolina or Denver. Um, your parents went to Reno. I wouldn't want to live in Reno, but I'm a real estate snob right now. But later in life, I, I'll probably lose some of those snobby qualities. So, and uh, there's, there's, I, don't, I don't see the appreciation forever and ever in every right. market. Uh, there's a lot of second, what they call secondary markets around the United States. There's about 20 of them that are doing really, really well right now. A lot of people are doing exactly what you're saying, and they're they're cashing out. They're moving to these places. They're pocketing a bit, of, a little bit of money, and they're getting a they're getting a I get a lower five, paying job. I get and four or five emails a week from people who are house rich in California, mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do. I'm like, you have to sell the house and move, or put a renter in it and move. A lot of them could like literally rent their house and go buy a house in Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, and people will start doing that. So, we still have an inflow of people here as well. Um, I'm a little, I'm not worried yet about the people who are coming here and and trying to buy a house. We're working with a client right now who moved from Illinois, a small little town in Illinois, moved from a sixty thousand dollar job to a hundred fifty three thousand dollar job. And the home price is four times as much as what they were looking at back in Illinois. So, uh, and they're looking to strap out almost every single dollar they have um, just to get into this house. Uh, so, working in the reverse, yeah, I, I do see a lot of people thinking about either selling or at least cashing out on some of that money and starting to look maybe buy that retirement who, home and then moving into it. Do you know who Negan is? Yes. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think is his, na- his real name. He just bought a home in Bethel, New York, which okay. is north of mm-hmm. the Hamptons. And he was asked about it, and he says, I don't want to live in the Hamptons. And you're like, did he just say that? And it's like, okay. And it's more rustic. He bought a candy store in Bethel um, because that's kind of the sign of being a luxury person now. So the Hamptons are now perceived as hoity-toity, and no one should want to live there. Um, so if you're looking for a husband or looking for a wife and you're going to the, the Hamptons, it's getting a little emptier now. So now you should be hanging out in more rustic parts that are uh, a little bit more bang for your buck. I find that interesting. Just the shifting of psychology. I don't know if I'd buy candy from him, though. He's a pretty mean guy. Um, he don't owns, ruin the show for me. I haven't watched about a season's worth, so. He owns a candy store with a guy who played um, Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So... And what happened was they got to that town, and they have, like, horses. And the guy who owns the candy store basically went bankrupt and died. And they're like, we could be local heroes. You know, for, you know, a small amount of money, we could have a candy store. And now people are ordering candy from the candy store because it's Negan's candy store. So, and that's all I got for you. So, anyhow and anyway. And he's married to a beautiful woman. From Dawson's, I think from Dawson's Creek or One Tree Hill. So anyway, I am so off topic. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. If you need a mortgage, find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. If you want to come to a future seminar, sign up, RobBlackShow.com. It's RobBlackShow.com. Always listen to the commercials on the station because I promote where I'm at. We'll take a break. Be right back. I'm Rob Black. Whether you're 20 years old or 60, managing your money can get complicated. So set aside Saturday, May 20th, and get ready to learn some strategies that can help you build wealth, invest confidently, retire better, and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. We have two seminars lined up. The morning event runs from 9 to 11 with a focus on retirement income and estate planning. If you're nearing retirement, this one's for you. 
We'll explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much, much more. Our afternoon seminar is all about investing for your first million. From one to three, we'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio, from investing basics to 401ks, Roth IRAs, real estate, taxes, and investing tips. Two separate seminars, May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up for either event at robblackshow.com, only $25. For KDO Day listeners, I waive the fee. Just use promo code RADIO25. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. What if you're single and have no children? Should you have a will or not? Jokingly on this show, I teach you a lot of financial lessons, sometimes entertaining-wise, sometimes uh, very cut and dry. One area that it's kind of like important to me is that you should have a will or a trust, a trust in the state of California to avoid probate if you own a home. It will save you $40,000. It will cost you three to 4000 but it will save you 36000 Boom, just like that. Because when you die, the judge will go like, okay, the, the hearsay property of Mr. Black that's located in the state of California at this said address, uh, we need to check to see if the property has any liens on it. Was he doing any illegal business dealings or anything that, any claims that might come up, uh, Indian burial ground. We need one year, and lawyers, you need to go find it. And a lot of times what's happening is he's, Judges are appointing lawyers to, you know, who are their friends, and they get to know each other. So the probate process is pretty painful. So if you're single and you have no children, should you have a will? Do you have cousins? I think it's important to think about. So let's say you die with $500,000 in your estate. A judge can appoint a lawyer who's like, and let's say you're, you happen to have a name that's associated with Puerto Rico. A lawyer can appoint a judge. A uh, judge can appoint a lawyer. A lawyer could say, well, judge, I need to go to Puerto Rico to ask around if there's any Roberto Negros, if any of his family members, you know, are still around. And judge says, well, that sounds appropriate. Guy takes his wife. The lawyer takes his wife. Turns into a vacation. Guess who's paying for it? Rob Black, Roberto Negro's estate. So it's important if you at least have a napkin well where you want your money to go. That's way better than nothing if it's in your handwriting. Legal Zoom is way better than a napkin and much cheaper than hiring an attorney. And hiring an attorney to write a will is not going to bankrupt you. But when push comes to shove, you know, you probably have some cousins. You probably have somebody out there that you want some of that money to go to. 
and not have lawyers siphoning off fees. It's part of the process. And I know I could be cute and say, okay, well, if you die with all you'll have is a cat, that's fine. You don't need a will, but you do. Uh, it could be a very simple will. So that's out there. Articles that I see, and you'll see them too if you're online, turn on Yahoo or uh, MSNBC or your MS and it turns into MSNBC or MSN.com, I'm not even sure. But in it, it, you'll be out at some sort of website and you'll see a woman who is 28 retired with $2 million in the bank. She saved 70% of her income. Here's how she did it. I don't think you really want to retire at 28, even if you have $2 million. Now, when I was 18, I said, I'll retire at 35 with a million. I could live off that till the day I die, which I could. But I wouldn't want to. Average Americans spend the bulk of their money on housing, transportation, and food. So when you know that, anytime you see there's a 28-year-old girl, woman, who saved $2 million, and now she sits at home and plays Xbox all day, you're like, ooh. You gotta figure out how to make your housing cheaper, your transportation cheaper, and your food cheaper, and you could probably do the same darn thing she did. Um, one of the things I did in college, in my latter years of college, was instead of living on campus, I lived off campus. And what I did was I took control of the rent. You know, I rented a whole house for $800. And it was a five bedroom house, and I basically charged everyone $200, and then my room was free. What I also did was make damn sure I didn't tell anyone that I rented it for 800 I told them I rented it for 1000 But I took the smallest room, and they all got bigger rooms. Um, and I know a lot of people spend 400 600 more than me on rent. I know a lot of people spend $1,000-$2,000 more than me on a mortgage. So if you want to get rich, it's pretty easy to figure out the areas that you need to attack. Housing, transportation, food. And how weird you want to do that is up to you. Like I said, in college, I came up with a very creative way of not having to pay rent. Um, I think buying secondhand furniture is good for the planet, and it's also dirt cheap. Craigslist is amazing. I furnished a lovely modern apartment in San Francisco by only buying off Craigslist. And typically, it was one of these situations where... People were moving. I lost my job and I'm moving to New York. I lost my job and I'm moving. And they had spent a lot of money on furniture. And they don't have time to, to haggle a $4,000 couch down to uh, 1000 So will you take 500 Sure. So Craigslist not bad. With most furniture, you get 50% or more off the original price. Um, now, on occasion, you'll buy something on Craigslist like... I found a statue, <laughs> and you'll never ever find a place for it. Um, so throwing that out there. So when you see the articles about a 20-year-old who retires with $2 million, it's not that difficult. You just have to figure out how to do it. Again, the biggest items are housing, transportation, food. And if you can, you know, if you can ride share or Uber pool, it's a lot cheaper than doing an Uber. Uh, a lift line versus a lift, you'll save 50, 60, 70%. And sometimes they don't even have to stop and pick people up. Just saying. It stinks when they do, and you're the last one in the line. But that's okay as well. You saved money. Just give yourself more time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. <laughs>
and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.